This is the Canna Curio Podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp license updates directly from the data vault. Don't forget to subscribe to the Cannabis Media newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay informed of future episodes and data releases. Thanks for joining the Cannabis Media Podcast, your source for cannabis and hemp license news. We're your hosts, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. Ed, how are you? Since the last time we spoke, I uh, wanted to check in and see what's going on in the world of the data. Doing just fine, Amanda. Thanks. Uh, hanging in there, managing the quarantine as best we can. Um, on the data side, the team's still been busy. It's interesting that states are still issuing licenses, so we always do our best to stay on top of that. So as I've been referencing for a bit, it seems to be hemp licensing season because everybody needs to get their crop in the ground. So almost all the states have gotten their licenses uh, out to cultivators, processors, and others. So a uh, couple areas, New York, uh, we've got 140 licenses that we've just added in. They all tend to be cultivators. Um, Louisiana, which we've been tracking on the CBD side, now has issued their uh, hemp licenses, and they include contract carriers, which is a new term for us. It's distribution, along with growers, processors, and seed producers. And then lastly, we've been trying to track down the Michigan licenses, which are really hard to get, uh, but it uh, looks like we've identified them, and we think that they may bring in about a thousand updates into uh, the database as the old licenses get essentially retired and the new ones come online. Oh, interesting. And so I know that these licenses were submitted, you know, uh, before months prior to this COVID-19 crisis, but do you think the cultivators will be able to operate? Um, you know, it, it's a great question. And I, I think as we look at licenses, we're the last in line. Obviously, the regulator and the regulated work through that process. Often the start time is in end of November, end of the year, January 1, they get this rolling. So they probably went ahead with big plans and paid their fees and said, I'm going to grow this much. And now they're going to have to figure out how to get it done. What kind of farm uh, work workers are they going to have? So I think it's definitely going to be a challenge for this kind of agriculture as well as the rest of the food chain. Yeah, curious to see how uh, the agricultural world responds to this new remote from work from home lifestyle that we found ourselves in uh, now amidst uh, amidst what's going on. But uh, yeah. thanks so much for the the highlights here, Ed. We we appreciate it. Sure. Um, yeah. So on today's show, we'll be joined by Dawn Morris from Proteus Four Twenty. She's the founder and CMO. So stay tuned. Proteus 420 is a real-time ERP solution for the cannabis industry. From seed to sale, we implement business operations alongside a robust point of sale. Integrated with all state reporting platforms, Proteus 420 is your solution for better business operations. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're joined by Dawn Morris, the founder and CMO of Proteus 420. She's also one of Cannabis Media's power users. John, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How are you? So, so good. So happy to have you on the show. I'm happy to be here. Um, even even if it's virtual and podcasts, we can still make this industry run, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Don, I wanted to introduce you to, to our audience here and, and give them a little background on yourself. Um, so how long have you been in the, the cannabis industry and what were you doing before you got involved? 
Um, so Proteus 420 itself um, unofficially has been in the industry since 2008. We took about two years from 2008 to 2010 and beta tested in a um, non-active market with a first uh, license for California. And uh, we used, utilized that two years to uh, streamline our processes and work before we launched in 2010 uh, to the open market, which was still kind of revolutionizing what the industry was doing, but we officially launched in the market uh, in 2010. Oh, wow. And what were you doing before you got into the cannabis space? Wow. So it feels like lifetimes ago, um, mm -hmm. just depending on which lifetime we're talking about. But uh, David, my husband and I, we actually are the uh, co-owners. We both co-own. Uh, we founded and co-owned Proteus. And uh, with that, what we decided to do was we took our technology background. We have two other businesses that we run in uh, and have been running since 1997. They are technology-based. Uh, one is digital marketing and the other one is having a hosting platform. So moving and utilizing that skill set and moving into the ERP space was something we had done back in 2001 in the e-commerce industry. And uh, so we took that kind of that basis of technology and when we decided to launch into the cannabis space we decided to take the uh, the basis of our backgrounds which were both in technology and mine further back was uh, coming in from nursing and being the daughter of a grower um, being able to kind of bring that into a light where we knew that a lot of change was going to be happening and so we wanted to be a major player in that. Wow, that's uh, that's great, great background, and the fact that you started this in two thousand one means you've already gone through a, a dot com craziness, and now we're going through a COVID <laughs> craziness. So uh, I guess this may be old hat for you. Um, <laughs> one of the questions I wanted to ask is, what makes Proteus four twenty unique? Uh, as you know, we've been tracking a lot of technology in the space, and there are a lot of entrants that are, that have come in, and I think uh, the fact that you guys have been around is is pretty interesting, but I'd like to hear it in your words, sort of what makes you unique uh, in, in this space? Well, I always say, you know, we're in this particular industry, um, being one of the original three uh, with two of my other competitors, our other competitors that we have, we often are duplicated, you know, um, and so we know that a lot of the new people in the industry have looked at our software as well as others, and they take what they like, and then they modify it, and, you know, it's kind of how the streamline of growth happens mm. in, in any industry. For us, um, you know, what makes us very unique is the fact that we are and we have always operated as a uh, partnership with our clients. And so it's in our best interest to put be best business practices with our clients. The more they grow, the more we can grow with them. And so we work very closely with each one of our clients in that in, in the industry so that we can streamline processes. We can make sure that instead of taking 10 steps to do something, we turn it down to two. Maybe it's a matter of having four people running an organization that would normally take 10. So listening to our clients, listening to their pain points in previous softwares versus where they want to be in the next three, five, and 10 years, working on planning that out with them. It is a very, um, it's a very unique position for us to put ourselves in because we do work so closely. And when we say that we work closely with them, it's listening to them. Because um, a lot of times what happens is, you know, we'll have clients will come in and they'll be like, oh, I would love to, for it to do this and do this and do this. And we have to explain to them, well, that's very unique for you. 
So maybe we just customize it for you. And then we have clients that come in and have a stream of open consciousness for a lot of great ideas <laughs> and share them with us. And it's something that we can launch out for all of our clients. So being able to determine what is considered a customization um, versus uh, good for the whole um, yeah. community. Well, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you're able to straddle that high touch, high tech and, and, and really keep your clients happy and also you know, take the best of breed ideas and, and put them out onto the platform so that everybody can, uh, can benefit. Oh, now, definitely. So, uh, you know, as you're looking ahead, any new product launches, new markets or new initiatives on the horizon? So, um, you know, we have we have a lot of new products uh, that we've been planning for the last year to two years. Uh, we try to work in a five to ten year uh, visual. So, like, when we're looking at what our system is doing now, we don't want to just think about what the trends are going to be happening in the next year. We want to look at what they're doing, going to be doing in the next five and ten years so that we can pre-plan out for a lot of that. So, a lot of what's happening is, uh, and what we've done and what is the basis of our business model, is streamlining operations. Uh, and compliance for the cannabis industry. So being able mm. to build all of that in to our platform, that is already a one-stop shop. Um, so some of the new product launches that we have are going to be taking things a little bit further out in the next to five to 10 years in that operations platform. So being able to rely on the system, not just as a seat to sale or a track and trace, but also being able to look at it as a, wow, this whole system runs our entire business operations from budget forecasting to being able to see mm. what total ROI is on products. So those are some things that we're building in right now. Excellent. Now, I think part and parcel with this is you know, we watch as new states come on board and enter the cannabis ecosystem, you know, often through maybe a new medical program or a rec program or Oklahoma, which is kind of a rec program in disguise. Um, you talked about partnership before, so I'm curious, what is it like for Proteus 420 and your team to, you know, to enter a new market? Like Oklahoma's coming on board, we're going to go in there big. What do you do? How do you plan for that? So a lot of it requires uh, looking at what the market is going to be doing, what some of the rules and the regulations that are going to be coming into play from the uh, from the state level. So we do a lot of research in what's happening on the documentation side. You know, how is the state going to roll it out? What's the timeline look like? Uh, right. When we look at it from an internal perspective, what do we anticipate the licensee numbers are going to be looking like? Um, you know, and then how can we support that area in that region? So internally. And externally, there's a big process that happens. So internally, like I said, we're looking at all of that information. And then we're looking externally at how the growth of that market is going to happen. Um, Oklahoma, as just just using that as an example, happened to be a really big boom. It happened really quickly. The state was really pretty much on board. They already knew what they wanted to do. The rules and regs kind of turned pretty quickly on that. Um, and then all of a sudden, it was like the Wild West of licenses, right? So <laughs> right. all of a sudden, it exploded. And, you know, and like that, we also entered that space at the same time with Oklahoma. So we were there um, and we were able to see what was going to be happening and progress that. So we grew pretty big in Oklahoma. Then you look at a state like Michigan, who, you know, we've been in Michigan for several years on the medicinal side mm -hmm. of cannabis, but having them roll out with recreational has taken a few years. And so having to, to deal with the changes and the, the fighting that's been going on on the state level versus how it's going to roll down um, into this, 
the cities and the counties within Michigan has been a very interesting battle. Um, you know, again, using Michigan as an example, you know, you could be in Detroit and you could be selling, but you can't be in Kalamazoo. And so, but you've got people who are pre-licensed in Kalamazoo and just waiting. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, you, you go forward, you move back, you go forward, you move back. And so being able to be really flexible has helped us uh, be able to, to determine how we're going to enter that market, like I said, both internally and externally. So it's, it's, it, it's yeah. a dance. It definitely is a dance. <laughs> so uh, related to that, sometimes a state will adjust their licensing requirements or they'll make something else available to their license holders. One of the trends that we've been keeping an eye on is the on-site consumption licenses that uh, we've seen in Oakland and in Colorado and Illinois, Massachusetts, you know, some of these places are, are, you know, under work or they're trying to get to that launch. But what does that mean for you? Like, is that a challenge for your customers or is it something easy for you to do in the software from an ERP standpoint that, you know, it's, it's an easy thing for you to comply with? So one of the things that, uh, you know, going back to the previous question of what makes us unique, that's the ERP aspect of that is what really truly helps us be able to quickly adapt and modify our system based on the rules and regulations from each county to you know state to county to inner city um, mm. and when you look at consumption versus purchasing being able to utilize and build those in very quickly and launch them effectively is really important and that's something that we've we've done very well over the last few years um, because we don't have to uh, deal with an application process or have to resubmit to you know applications like i you know apple or or google play mm -hmm. um you know it, it allows us to kind of put the code in place q a it make sure that it tests you know go through the r d process of it very quickly and then launch out to the the teams that are going to be utilizing it in those areas so when we look at someone like la county that has or oakland for example who has a um who has a consumption on on location as well as medical and recreational so each one of those apps as an individual license and so you know someone could purchase within their limit and then go and smoke but being able to go in and check into that smoke lounge, checking in the amount of product that's being carried over versus who the person is, whether it's anonymous or um, or if we're tracking that. So it all comes down to to that regulation and being able to use that guideline to kind of track through the different processes on that. And that's really what um, what we've been able to do. You know, you look at places, uh, there's a, a you can eat, you can smoke, and you can purchase in, in LA County. Um, and there's a location that it, it's been booming. But when you look at it, when you eat, you can't, you can't purchase and then eat and smoke in the same place. You have to move to a, a lounge type of location. So being able to track that flow, um, it's something that we've been able to do very easily. And what has helped us is because we are in the beer and wine industry as well with our software. So being able to take someone from someone who is maybe um, doing a flight of wines or a flight of beers and then transferring them into a purchaser of that we've been able to mod like modify that process for cannabis so being oh, wow. able to um 
check someone in and then follow their inter purchase power all the way through to maybe becoming a patient or becoming a rec uh, purchaser. And so being able to kind of follow that flow and see where trends are, we're able to add that ROI so that people can see where they're actually spending and wasting their money at. <laughs> no, that, that's great. And, and having that other industry, just being able to work with your clients to say, We've got this covered. We've been doing this in other industries for a long time. I'm, I'm sure is a is a great boon as you have to incorporate these regulations, which we also view as essentially business rules that you know we have yeah. to build into our software too. So that totally makes sense. So one final question I wanted to ask you is, you know, as you look back on the last 12 months, what's been the biggest achievement for for Proteus or for yourself, Don? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I would say for Proteus, um, you know, one of the biggest things we've done here is being able to work in, a little bit more in the compliance realm, providing um, SOPs for a lot of our clients and assisting our clients in the last 12 months and being able to become a legitimate business operation. Uh, a lot of things that I always tell people is like, you know, we've got 50% of a market that they know how to sell, smoke, grow the plant, but they don't know how to run the business part of it. And then the other 50% know how to run the business, but they don't know how to grow, sell, or smoke the plant. So being able to kind of, um, you know, what we've been able to do is kind of combine both of those in a very strategic way, both through partnerships, consulting, um, and with our software, being able to teach people the way, the proper way to do business, whether it's a widget or the plant, it, it doesn't matter. And so that's been a really big achievement for us in the last 12 months, being able to work with our clients and helping them know how to do proper business in the cannabis space because it is something that um, is still it's still a learning process for many of the people depending on the state um, and personally I have to just say you know I'm a grandmom on top of all this so watching my granddaughters grow and um, and just watching them go through their steps the last 12 months both of them are going from uh, from just being little girls to now being students in school and watching them just kind of change in personality and grow and thrive and you know and getting those big giant hugs every time they come in so i love it oh, that's, that's, that's great that's great well thanks for sharing that with us yeah that's that's so sweet and you bring up a really good point don about you know knowing how to do business properly within this industry is you know such a, a hurdle that i think a lot of you know new, newcomers and new businesses kind of underestimate um because there there is a way a way to do that so you know i wanted to um you know kind of ask you what how what are some of the the ways that you utilize you and your team utilize cannabis media so one of the ways that we've utilized cannabis media is one from a licensing perspective, uh, being updated on any change in information. Um, you know, we've been with you guys for many years now, since pretty much since you guys have started. And so we've grown with you guys as you have added more information and allowed us to market through the system. And that's been a huge, huge plus for us. What it's been able to do is is not only are people able to see us on the state reporting side as a validated software, but they're also now seeing us from the beginning, from the moment that their license is um, are put into place and we see that they're pending, all the way out to them becoming an active licensee holder. Um, we're able to stay in a level of communication with them. And so Cannabis Media has been a really big um, piece of uh, a plus really for us as far as communication and marketing. Uh, one of the ways that, uh, that I personally love using it is the fact that I can actually get to the the main decision maker. Um, you know, a lot of times what happens is you'll find that cannabis, cannabis companies will put their, their 
location, phone number, and you're getting the bud tenders that are inserting the phone. And so what it's been able to do is get our footprint and our name and our process of what we do in front of the main decision makers there. And that's been something that's been very, very helpful for us over the years. I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, you know, we really want to provide you guys with the best uh, available information possible. And, you know, it it really, um, it's huge. It's great that you guys have been able to see so much success. Um, But so how does this tool compare to other sales tools that you've used before? So one of the things that's actually really nice, um, so with our system, with Proteus 420, we have a built-in, it's almost uh, almost like Salesforce built into our system. So you can follow patients or consumers that are coming in. Um, for us, we use it from a, as a lead generator. So leads that are coming in from the website go into our database and we're able to, to put that chain of command into place and how they're going to be followed and then we're able to follow that process through. What we've loved being able to do and, and something that Cannabis Media has helped helped us with is being able to make that initial onset. So once the once the, the person who is the decision maker is wanting to do a demo, once they reach back out to us, being able to kind of automatically put that information into our system. So once they reply, um, they're then added into our system and we're able to see that they started in cannabis media and then they've and then we fulfill. So we get to see the entire focus or the life cycle or life chain um, from the moment we start that uh, initial communication with them out to the final sale. So being able to to do that is is huge. But to go back to your question, one of the things that I I think is really important and what has helped us is being able to, um, you know, to just be able to look at the information and not only put our best, you know, our best business practices into play, but also being allowed to say, okay, cannabis media has best business practices and now we have our best business practices we kind of make them merge together and it just allows us to kind of have a a whole a stronger footprint in the industry where people are able to say yeah that's that's where we saw them and this is where we're ending up and now we're super happy that's that's beautiful and very well said thank you you know so so much Don for for your feedback and for you know your answers here because it really you know I the purpose of this podcast is to help give our audience a better understanding of you know not only uh, the data but also to you know how our current subscribers are, are utilizing this platform and, and you know giving you an opportunity to share share your success so you know with that in mind are there any tips or tricks that you'd like to share with, with our subscribers here One of the things that's great is just being able to organize how you're going to communicate with people. So um, obviously there's a lot of information within the uh, cannabis media platform itself. So when you're breaking it down between hemp and CBD and cannabis, being able to organize those lists in a way that makes sense to you. Um, And then when you're going through those lists, being able to communicate out. So there's a great email campaign tool that we utilize quite a bit. And from that initial uh, communication the thing that I love about it is not only just when the, we're organizing our communication and how we're going to communicate when we get into the email part of this the campaign being able to look and see who's opting in who's opting out who's following the link of information out from the emailer so there's a lot of there's a lot of information that you can get from there but when you go back to your organizational lists being able to follow that flow um, so that's a big part for me I'm always uh, I'm always keen on making sure that I tell people from a tip and trip 
centric aspect make sure you are organizing how you want to communicate with people and then from there everything else just kind of falls right into suit great great well Given your multi-industry perspective and long-standing in the cannabis industry, are there any trends you're seeing at play in the industry now or any markets that you think are going to be interesting? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, we've got the whole COVID-19 thing happening right now. And um, what I've, as far as trends, what I've seen is, is that most of the shops, since we've gone into an essential personnel type of situation with most states mm. we're seeing that um that most shops are doing 420 numbers on a day-to-day -day basis um so it's kind of interesting to see how that is playing which means we're in april right now which 420 seems is our biggest day in the cannabis industry and you know in the second biggest being 710 It'll be interesting to see how the numbers relate from a trending point from since we're doing currently those 420 numbers, what 420 is going to look like. Um, so from that COVID perspective, everybody's moved to more of a virtual form, format, right? So everybody's doing virtual, you know, um, virtual talks, virtual meetings, virtual conferences. And it looks like a lot of people are moving into the 420 sashes for um, giveaways and band, live bands. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm seeing that as something that's going to trend very heavily even after we move out of this COVID-19 situation. I think it's opened up the door for a lot of people to say, hey, I don't have to physically be at a location to be a part of things I can still be a part of things virtually and you know when we go back in time and we look at MTV and VH1 they've been doing this for years right even Dick mm, Clark right. you know nobody was ever really on that stage at that particular moment there was pre-recordings there was you know moving off to those areas and so when you look at that I think that's where this industry is going to start moving into so COVID I think the COVID situation has pushed that trend a little bit quicker than most people would have liked um I also see that once this goes away, I think of things in this industry, in the cannabis industry, is going to, from a trend perspective, it's going to weed out a lot of the people who just couldn't hang in in the potential or the what if situation. Kind of, Agreed. kind of what the dot com boom failures did, and kind of what the mortgage industry failures did. This isn't we we were already on a downslide trending with the markets as a whole, and you know, overinflation of investors and things like that, and a lot of big money that came in, and then they couldn't figure out how to spend the money the proper way. And now all of those industries have, you know, all those parts in this industry are going to start kind of making their way out. And so what I see in the next year, um, I, I really see a, a lot of the real businesses that have been able to hang on to this, being able to work very closely with each other. And I think we're going to get back to what what mm. is initially the the founding for the foundation of what cannabis is, and that's a grassroots, you know, neighborly situation where we all work together for an end process. And I think we're starting to see that now through this virtual streaming of where we are. Yeah, I I would agree. It's interesting. One of the ways that historically we've looked at the industry is with a unique market segmentation where there's kind of clueless kind of curious and then kind of serious. And I, I think those first two groups are just not going to be able to make it sort of to the model that you gave of they just don't have the wherewithal to withstand what we're all going through yeah. right now. And I think, you know, you know, in the last, in the last two years, doing as many trade shows as, as we've done and, you know, working with a lot of people that we, that we work with, 
one of the things is we get a lot of people on the can of curious side and they're always saying, you know, Hey, I know I want to be in the industry. I just don't know how. And, you know, and I tell people, I'm like, well, where's your passion? It has to be passionate. You can't just jump into any industry and just assume you're going to be successful. Um, right. and the cannabis space, um, up until this last year has been the complete opposite. People could just jump in with no information, no understanding, and they could jump in and just all of a sudden think that it's going to be successful. And I think that's where we're finding that kind of serious side of things are going to weed all those out. Yeah, I mean, I think this you've provided so many great insights, uh, especially given your tenure within the space, you know, here on the podcast today, Dawn, you know, thank you so, so much for joining us uh, on our virtual podcast. <laughs> Uh, it's been truly a pleasure uh, getting to know you, getting to learn more about your business, as well as uh, hearing what you have to say about the industry, because you, you've brought up some really great points. It's my pleasure. I enjoy I enjoy the industry. I love being a part of it, and I enjoyed being a part of this podcast, so thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. We'll have to hopefully catch up uh, again after quarantine <laughs> or maybe do another virtual session. There we'll you see. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's check in one more time. What's coming up next on Canacurio? So the quarter just ended, first quarter of 2020. So we're going to be doing some look backs on different activities within the cannabis space. The first one we do is on retailers and dispensaries. How many were added in Q1? Based on our numbers so far, it looks like 355 uh, dispensaries and or retailers were added in the quarter. Not surprisingly, most of them were in Oklahoma. Somehow they just decided they don't have enough and need more. So 155 or 44% were there. 69 though in Michigan and only 24 in California and 22 in Florida. So we'll dig into that in next week's Can of Curio uh, blog post and we'll share that out uh, to all our readers and listeners. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, yep, uh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, we're transitioning to a virtual world here, and uh, we wanted to thank you all for joining us on, on today's podcast. We're your hosts, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. Stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault.